Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Six Degrees with Mike McKenna, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. This episode, I'm joined by Greg Harrison, legendary mask maker. Remember, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate on iTunes, Spotify, all the streaming channels. You can always find me, Mike McKenna, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Mike McKenna 56 and check out the private coaching I'm doing online now with 44 Vision Hockey. Check that out. Hit me up. We'll get you dialed in for your next session and goal. Enjoy. But first, the NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. The online casino, it never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, it's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Greg, thanks so much for joining me today. This is a huge thrill. When people talk about important people in the history of goaltending, whether it's equipment, mass design, sticks, you name it, your name inevitably comes up. You've made some of the most iconic masks in the National Hockey League worldwide, and you've done a lot more than that during your career, which we will, of course, have to touch on. But first, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Where do you find yourself these days? What's keeping you busy? Well, I I live in Brampton, just north of Toronto now, and uh, uh, I am keeping busy, uh, well, other than the pandemic, uh, I was driving limousine for a while. I have been for about 10 years, just as a, a side job. Um, but I'm, I just started to make masks again uh, on a limited basis at uh, a friend of mine's company called Sport Mask in Oakville, Ontario. And uh, uh, I don't have any of my equipment anymore. I had a theft about 13 years ago and lost four tractor trailers worth of stuff, including all my mask stuff. And uh, so I, I do it at their shop in Oakville. And uh, I do some masks for them. And then I also um, request, personal requests that I've got from, from various people. Uh, I'm making some of my own too. Like they all, they all are my mask, but I don't always get it directly don't get the order directly so going back to the beginning you were a really young man when you first started to make masks and correct me if i'm wrong on the timeline early 70s any any earlier than that or is it really the 70s well i made my own masks earlier than that in high school um i made uh probably about three or four in in high school um very crudely done. I didn't All fiberglass, really I'd imagine, right? Fiberglass, but but basically Canadian tire repair kits, <laughs> you know, which are not meant to take any kind of impact at all. You weren't making uh, race car bodywork with these things. No, no carbon fiber or anything like that back then. I had a friend um, who was a goalie one year ahead of me, uh, Doug Hutchison, and his dad, Ken, uh, had made a mask for him. And I wanted to make a fiberglass mask. There was, 
at that time, there was a kit available from Winwell. And um, if you look, there's an early picture of Billy Smith wearing a mask with LA, I believe, if you happen to find that. And the way the mask is cut out is exactly the way the kit looked. Like basically you got a, a shoe box to take the mold with. You got some plaster bandages. You got fiberglass cloth, resin hardener, and a set of straps. And then you, you made, I wished I could find a kit that had never been used because it would be kind of cool to find that. But I forget what the, the kit cost, but it, it wasn't that cheap back then. Probably it was maybe 30 or $40. Right. So I, I went to Canadian Tire instead and bought a kit, you know, for, to fix your car. <laughs> and uh, um, they, as I said, uh, Doug's dad, Ken, taught me uh, the, the way they made a mask. And they basically did the mold, poured a positive, and then took um, the dry cloth and put it on top of the face and painted it on with a brush. And the, the problem is, if you had anything that went under the chin, you, you couldn't mold it because I wasn't using my hands. You know, as time's gone on, I mold everything with my hands now. Bare what's, hands. What's not, amazing to think about this is that the origins of goalie mask making truly began at Canadian Tire. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, uh, there was a, I wanted to get some padding. I had no idea where to get padding. And uh, I probably will have the OPP after me now once I admit this. But <laughs> I went in and there was, a, there was the Cooper's store-bought masks that you could get. And I lifted a couple of sets of pads out of the kit. <laughs> you were a desperate high mask. schooler, man. <laughs> yeah. So, but they, they taught me the way they did it. And, you know, that got me interested. Um, and the crazy thing was, and I laugh about it too, is for about six months, I was not aware there was a thing called acetone to clean off the fiberglass. I basically, uh, every time I used a brush, I threw it away, you know? Huh, that's and, funny. We've got buckets then, of acetone in my dad's garage because he raced formula cars and he did all his body work for the race cars. Yeah. I was probably the only kid that knew what acetone was in second grade. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's nasty yeah. stuff. Oh, well, it, it certainly removes fiberglass for sure. But for months I'd be picking bits of fiberglass that had dried on my nails or my hands, you know, because I had no way of cleaning. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven when I found there was a thing called acetone. <laughs> but um, um, that was my intro in, into making masks. And the, the mask that twigged me and I always loved the way it looked was Sawchuck's mask. Mm. Uh, there was something about it. I studied it and I, uh, tried to figure out the shape. Uh, there was a couple of variations with his. I maintained that he had more than one because there was a couple of different variations at the top. One was a piece, there was a piece of tape that ran across the top of his mask. And then later on, whether it's the same mask or not, the end of the edges were rounded where originally they weren't. Now, whether that was over time, I don't really know. Um, 
But I remember talking to Lefty Wilson. He claimed he only made one. Well, I know he made another one because, but it didn't look necessarily exactly the same. I wanted to, like, I'm working on a book on my mass as well as all the guys that came before me. And I, just prior to Lefty passing away, I had talked to him and told him I wanted to come down. I had met him numerous times because I was the pro rep for Cooper for, for four years from 77 to 81. And, um, you know, had dealings with him all the time, but I wanted to get in depth with the masks after the fact. And he said, okay, he said, I'm going to Florida. He says, I'll be back in a month. He says, we'll get together then. He had a heart attack and died in Florida, unfortunately. So, um, and then his other partner, um, um, Danny Olsevich was killed in a, in a car accident uh, where a tractor trailer uh, ran over him and his horse trailers uh, one time, killed him. So both, both guys in that mask era were gone. You think about those early days and you had, I mean, you had Lefty Wilson, huge name, Ernie Higgins, you know, really kind of the forebearers of what came to be later on. But I look at how you did and you really took it to a new dimension. You know, you started to mold more around the face. You introduced the cage later on, the true combo mask. Can you talk a little bit about that evolution from the really crude early masks, like the Sawcheck one that you mentioned, to what we saw later on going to what Grant Fuhr had transitioned into in the early 80s. Uh, the guy that I have to thank for that is uh, a guy named Roy Weatherby. Are you familiar with that name? Heard his name, yeah. He was the one that did uh, Bernie Perrant, um, Doug Favell, Dunk Wilson, Jacques Caron, um, Lyle Carter, the, the old pretzel style mask. Right. And um, again, it was a son, his son, that played a year ahead of me for the Toronto Nationals, Toronto Nats Junior B, his son, Wayne. And uh, he wore that pretzel mask. And I thought that was really cool. And then I found out that his dad had made it. Then I found out who he, Elsie made masks for. And he worked for the, um, or he was in the Air Force. And this young kid, me, kept hanging around and wanted him to show me. He made me one mask, one of the pretzel masks, which I still have. Um, And then he taught me the proper kind of resins to use for strength and flexibility. But he basically made a functional mask. There was no, no design to it really, just a covering with a bunch of holes in it. And, um, but it was strong as hell. Like his product was very strong. And so he got me interested in, in doing that. And then I started to do them for kids. Um, Think about that for a second, how wild West this was, that there was no regulation or anything that you could be making masks for the kids down the street. And it was uh, way better than anything they could pick up off the shelves. Yeah. They could just wear whatever. It's it's so different than what it is today. Well, when I, when I first played, like I didn't play goal right away. My dad never wanted me to play goal. He said, no, you're too good a skater, son. You, you stay out. And uh, I played, he was the coach at the, of the tight team that I was on. And one day he said, okay, son, he says, you, 
you want your chance to play net, you can play net today because the goalie's sick. So I played. I had a perfect record, four shots, four goals. <laughs> <laughs> I did so, that in the American League. Well, no, I got one save. I went one for four on a game in the American League once. Got the hook really fast. It was my only appearance I ever had for the Milwaukee Admirals. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, well, ironically, that was the day they took the pictures. So there I am in the front of the team photo with an assistant on my chest with the pads on. And um, I didn't play again until Pee-wee. And when I played, uh, we wore a loach mask. You know what that is? Tell us about the, it. The clear, it's a, it's a clear shield. Looks like a welder's helmet or welder's visor that's clear. It had red straps that fit over your head like kind of a a suspension had these giant bolts that stuck in the side of your head. <laughs> and then, and then it had a mouth opening. It's, it's what plant used. If you've seen shots of plant in the early days, experimenting with a, um, a clear mask that's got the eyes cut out. Mm -hmm. He took a loach mask and he cut it up and they molded it, but that's what it was. And it was originally Dilbert Louch was the fellow's name. And, I met his son and it was originally designed for catchers. He got the idea that he, you know, he watched all the catchers throw the, the mask away all the time. And he wanted to develop something that they could wear that they could just look directly up into the sun and not take it off. And that's what it was originally designed for. But various goalies tried it. Glenn Hall tried it. Sawchuck tried it. Bauer tried it. Um, and, um, but that's what we wore originally. And then I, I got uh, a mask. I remember I got hurt jumping out of a trunk of my dad's car one time. And I caught my foot jumping out because I was a car stationary or moving at the time. It, no, it was stationary. And he wasn't that vicious, you know, <laughs> but uh, he, um, he had bought me something. In fact, it was a mug with a car on it, a vintage car. And I was all excited and I wanted to show my mom. And I jumped in the trunk of our 58 Merc and had the mug in my hand, jumped out and caught my foot on one of the supports in the trunk and came slamming down onto the asphalt with the biggest goose egg you've ever seen. And I was playing road hockey and I wanted a mask. And I, I remember my dad, again, went to six Canadian tires before he finally found the first clear HM6 mask that he canvassed the entire was. area of Toronto to find that mask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, that, that's what I started to wear. And then as time went on, I wanted something that was better. And so in high school, I made, um, made those first two masks. But then with Weatherby teaching me the proper way to do it, um and the better resins to use i ended up um making anybody like as you say i was making it for everybody all the kids and and local players i like they'd say i want one that looks like a lefty wilson they wouldn't necessarily say lefty wilson they they mentioned some goalie You'd get and the I NHL knew, goalie replicated. I want what he looks like. Yeah. Or an Esposito style yeah. or a Higgins style. You know, they'd say Cheevers or right. whoever they'd seen wearing it. So I made those 
And then I got to the point where I, I, I finished the mask a lot better. Like I didn't want any sharp areas, which is what was on all these other homemade crude masks. So I figured if somebody's gonna get hit, the chances of getting cut if there's a sharp edge are a lot greater. So I finished it and, and being finicky and, and you know wanting to make sure, no matter what I did, I, um, I wanted to make sure it was done right. You know? Yeah, uh, your attention to detail is pretty obvious when you look through your catalog of masks. Yeah, so uh, at that point, I was still doing, I hadn't developed my own style of mask. I basically developed that style after I saw Dryden's mask in Montreal at first. I liked the rounded edge triangles as ventilation holes, but I knew structurally his mask had way too many holes in it. And if you've seen the mask, the, the way it ended up, it's just pounded. Yeah. Like the chin is busted up the nose. I was actually at a game in Detroit when I called on the Red Wings one time and Montreal was playing uh, Detroit and he got hit in the nose with a slap shot and it cut him because it broke. And that was actually the same game that uh, the U.S. Olympic team uh, in 1980 were playing an exhibition game before, before the big game. And I wanted to get down to see Craig because I had developed my own uh, design at that point. And I wanted to try and sell him a Malosh Bannerman uh, Bromley style, for lack of a better word. Um, so at this point, was it more than a hobby? Uh, it was an aside because I was with Cooper then in 77. But when I first did it, I was in university. I was, what was I, 70, I was 19. And I, and I worked at the Orwalton sports camp for four summers. And that's where I met Jim Rutherford and John Garrett. Uh, and they were the first two to try my masks. Rutherford had been with Detroit when he first came to the camp. And um, he wore a, a Lefty Wilson mask that was red. He had one of two kinds, one with a triangle in the cheek and one with two slits. And then he had drill holes. The only one that ever had that two drill holes and a drill hole on either side of the, of the nose. And, um, but then when he went to uh, Pittsburgh, he asked me to make a mask for him and he wanted it to look just like Jockman's. So it was basically a Higgins, a, a short, Higgins is what he wanted. And I, because he had worn a, a red mask, I painted that one, the Pittsburgh blue. And then when he, and then I did Garrett's at the same time, he played for the Portland Buckaroos then. Yeah. And it, it was just a plain blue mask. Quick fact on Sorry. the Port, Portland Sorry. Buckaroos. That is where the professional hockey players association, the minor league union first began. So yes. we've now identified two things about a franchise that probably doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things that really has had a big impact on hockey down the road. Oh, I know I did. A, I actually did a post a little while ago. I actually have their sign from 
their office in Niagara Falls. <laughs> the the um, uh, when the the players in the logo were red, blue, and green. Green, yeah, yeah, and then the letters were in gold. But a friend of mine found it. He said, "What is this?" And I didn't know myself until I researched it. And then I, I there's actually in my Instagram post. You'll see the, if you go back, you'll see the sign. Yeah. Because um, I, I know I, I passed the, the new sign and the new office in Niagara Falls as well. Lots more with Greg coming up. But first, a word from sponsor Heco Sticks. You like playing catch? Of course, we all do. Well, here's a way that you can improve your hand-eye coordination, reaction speed, and overall cognitive development by using Heco Sticks. It stands for Hand-Eye Coordination Sticks. In 2020, it was named the best coordination tool by Men's Health Magazine, certified non-toxic, EVA foam construction, super lightweight. They even float. You can use them at the pool, at the beach, tons of fun. Listen, I use them to help my goaltending. They can help tennis players, baseball players. My daughters love to just throw it back and forth to one another in the backyard. Each leg of the Hico sticks, there's three of them, has a different color. So when you toss it, you call out a color, you can say which hand to catch it with, and the person receiving has to process that information while it's in the air. It's a great tool for hand-eye coordination. If you go to hecosticks.com, use the promo code 60MM56, that'll get you 10% off at checkout, hecosticks.com. So by the late 70s, you're making masks for, I mean, look at let's look at Eddie Jockaman. You know, that famous mask he had with the Red Wings with the, with the lightning the, bolts oh tell me about that one please you know, it's gorgeous well it, it's funny when when i did eddie's keeping in mind what i what rutherford had said i wanted to look just like jockamans and when i did jockamans he says i want it to look just like rutherford they were copycatting each other <laughs> that's <Yeah>. great <laughs> but what happened you see when when jim i have to just go back with with jim a bit um, when uh, Jim got traded back to Detroit, I wasn't aware of it, but he wasn't very happy that he was going back to Detroit. But he left it at a hotel with somebody that he knew, uh, what used to be the Skyline Hotel in Toronto. It's changed a number of times, but it's right by the airport. So he flew in, went back to Beaton. I picked up the mask from there brought it home I had to paint it white and at that time I was wanting to add some color before I had even done the designs I was at that time everything was attached with leather straps and elastic there was you know if there was a dome snap or a snap that was just at the bottom to you know get it on and get it off the rest of the mask was leather straps so I had a bunch made in various colors, red, blue, green, yellow, purple, black, white, you name it. I had all these different colors. So I painted this mask white. I was doing it at my parents' house at the time. I painted it white, put the red straps on it, hung it up at the end of the garage. And I went, eh, it's, it's so plain, I don't like this. So there was a product back then that you could get for illustrators called MacTac. And it, it basically was a translucent film that could stick on paper or whatever you wanted. So I had some red and I cut out rough, some rough wings, 
to put over the eyes. And uh, I hung it up at the end of my parents' garage and went, that looks pretty good. I think I'm going to do that. Because <laughs> there was no designs other than Favelle's um, pumpkin. And then the, because uh, that was what it was. It was a, it was a Halloween joke at first. Um, his Higgins mask being painted. And then they put the starburst on it. But that was the extent of any designs at that point. And so I, I drew the wings on and I painted it. And I brought it to him the next morning. He didn't say much, but I found out after that he wasn't happy because he didn't want to draw attention to himself. Yeah, it's um, hockey. No, you can't draw attention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and back then, especially because, you know, I could tell you, I'll tell you a funny story about visors mask that I did too. But anyways, so he, he wore it. He had no choice because that was the only mask he had and he wore it and everyone liked it and he grew to like it too. So when Jockerman was traded to Detroit, two things with his mask, he wanted me to fill in below the cheekbones because he had had all his molars knocked out at various times. And so he said, can you fill it in a bit? Cause I'm going to have my teeth replaced. And so I did that. And uh, there had been an offer to him from one of the spark plug companies. I can't remember which one, whether it was champion or auto light. I don't remember, but it was there and the NHL wouldn't allow any type of, you know, endorsement like that on a mask. So I got the idea to sort of keep with, uh, the same type of thing as Rutherford had and do the lightning bolts as a symbol of the spark from the spark plug. So that's where the, the lightning bolts come in. That's really cool. You know, some of those older ones, you, you look back at the designs that you came up with. A lot of this wasn't driven by the goaltender. Oh, correct? no. You know, you no. were really the guiding light for this. Did you always have an artistic side to you? Cause obviously you're creative, but it's one thing to be something of a craftsman and be able to work with your hands and do fiberglass and later be able to, to weld and do cages. But did the painting come naturally to you or did that grow? Well, over time? I, I did art in school. I took art in school, even in grade 13, they, I went to Neil McNeil high school in, in Scarborough and outside Toronto. And, um, um, I, uh, I always did art. I'd be drawing, mask in fact there's a previous post on my instagram of a which is a treasure trove anybody who's not following you needs to be greg harrison the mask on instagram is the greatest resource you can find for the history of goalie masks right now thank you you're welcome well i i put a lot of work into it when i do it i don't just post a picture i'll I'll, uh, i try and give the history of what it is that i'm talking about whether it be something to do with airplanes, something to do with old cars, something to do with nostalgia. Um, uh, the masks, of course, uh, I usually try and pick a guy's birthday. I, I look up whose who's birthday's upcoming and then I'll prepare a, a post and so on and tell you a little ins and outs. It's kind of uh, my exercise uh, working on my book. Um, Cause it'll, I'll expand on things in, in that as well. It's really cool to look through and find some of these different masks, you know, the crazy tiger mask that, uh, who am I missing right now? Not tiger. Good 
but Gilles Gratton, the lion. The lion mask. Right. It's it's funny. He he was quite the character. I had I had talked to him when he first came to New York. Um, he had a a mask that was uh, made by James Hometh out of Ottawa. And then he had two cage masks, a Jaffa, and I'm not sure what the other one was. But one night in New York, he wore all three masks that he had in the game, one for each period, <laughs> and he lost. So, like, initially he said he didn't want a mask from me, but he took my name and info. And after the game on Sunday, he called me, he said, I want to get a mask made. And uh, I said, okay. So he came. He flew in on the Tuesday. I uh, did his mold. And then I said, okay, um, uh, as far as the design is concerned, I said, I can do something for the Rangers. I can do something for the city. Um, do you have a nickname? He says, they call me the Count. <laughs> and I go, okay. And then uh, I said, what's your astrological sign? He says, I'm a Leo. I said, okay leave it with me. That's all I said. I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do, but I did it. So I made the mask. He left. I made the mask. I actually finished the physical mask at midnight on a Friday night. I then sat down and painted it like an oil painting for 12 hours. Like power uh, session, 12 hours straight. Yeah, 12 hours straight till noon the next day. I put it in my jokingly, uh, I always tell people I put it in my easy bake oven just to, to, <laughs> to heat cure, it up. To cure it, right? Yeah, just enough to dry it. I put it in a box. At that time, you could get, this is 1976. So you could physically go to the airport and almost buy a seat on the plane for a parcel. It didn't go in the plane, but basically that was what you were doing. So I sent it to New York to him directly. He picked it up the next day. And apparently he didn't wear it in the warm-up. He had it in the box underneath the, his seat, his bench in the, in the room. Didn't wear it in the warm-up. And then proceeded to go out with it under his arm. And he put it on to start the game. Was this and in Madison Square Garden? Yes. Yeah. So nobody on the Rangers, nobody in the building knew that no. he had a lion mask under his arm, ready to debut it for the first time ever. Yeah. Wow. It ended up, it was wow. a few, a couple weeks later, it ended up, I always tell people, I ended up on the same page as the queen uh, <laughs> in, in Time Magazine. And uh, he got more press over that mask. In fact, um, um, there was just a book written about him called Gratuni the Looney. And uh, I went to the, uh, the book unveiling and he signed a copy for me and, and said, thanks Greg for doing this mask. People remember me because of you. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty cool. That's cool. But he, he, you know, there's been, he's had fun with it. He tells people he's a reincarnated jungle cat and uh, he, he wouldn't, I remember one time they told me he, they couldn't find him one in between periods one time. There'd been a concert the night before and in the hallway, there was a piano 
and they went out and into the thing they hear this piano playing and it's Gratton in his full gear playing the piano he's out there tickling uh, the ivory in all his gear yeah. in between periods yeah <laughs> yeah this is the reason why people give us those nicknames and tell us that we're all crazy and we try to say we're creative and then somebody like Graton takes it that's how far down the well, road was it how far down okay. the road was it before people started to catch on to doing paint jobs that weren't necessarily team oriented you know that was kind of a new thing and really pushing boundaries to do something well, like what he had there's two reasons for me doing it i can't speak for anybody else but um, even later on, the NHL were trying to take control of my images. And all I ever wanted was, okay, you, you want to have a picture of a goalie wearing my mask and you sell it in whatever way you want to sell it? That's fine. Just let me do the same thing. But they never would. They'd always try to control it. So if you had a logo on the mask, that was, you were dead in the water because they'll, they'll claim the logo is their their copyright and you right. know because you never, never had a logo it. that I saw. I never saw Greg Harrison or a you know a GH logo on the side of your masks ever. Oh no, no, I mean the I mean the NHL logo. Like ah, the actual the crest Rangers of the league. Or whatever. Uh, so as I did them at first, like on Davidson's mask, it had Ranger logos on it. Uh, Thomas's, they had it as well. And um, uh, like when he was in New York and I can't think of other ones offhand right now who were the whole, oh, there was, there was some later, but I knew that I had to stop doing that, that I had to, and I didn't like most people assume they're stickers anyways, even though every one of those logos that I put on were hand painted, right. uh, but people assume they were stickers. So I decided, okay, the only way I can do anything and, and really control my images and the rights to my images is to take and do something totally off the wall, like not something to do with the city. It could be a nickname. It could be uh, an artifact or a building in the city. Right, tying it or all just, together. Yeah, like Essence's mask in Winnipeg when I did oh. his cage combination, those are all silhouettes of the Avro Arrow. So again, there's where my interest comes in, in various things, a lot of pilot oriented things because of my dad being a pilot. So even when I did his, like I had silhouettes, uh, side view, three quarter view and over the top of, of the arrow. And that was and on the census mask with the Winnipeg Jets. Yes. Gorgeous. And then on the Red, back, white, and blue. Two-dimensional classic. Yeah. He, and then I put on the back piece, I put RL207, which anybody that's familiar with the arrow will know what that is. The, the, the arrow had, they only made six. And the RL207 would have been the next arrow off the line. So that's why I, I put it on the mask and he on the back piece. And I said, I'm gonna have to give you some history of this because I guarantee as soon as you get this, people are gonna start asking you about this mask and, yeah. and what's on it. <laughs> so I had to give him a little tutorial on on the Avro Arrow. One of the, one of my favorite masks you ever did was a Gilles Maloche that was in Cleveland, I think with the Bears. Cleveland? Yeah. yeah. 
Red, white, and black. Just beautiful. So much art. I mean, I can't imagine the amount of time that you put into this mask. Well, it, it, I got the idea where I got the idea from. I thought the Ohio, um, the map of Ohio reminded me of a shield on a crest, on a heraldry crest. And um, it reminded me of a, a coat of arms, like a, a shield from uh, all the like family crests and so on. So I used that map of Ohio as the central part of it. And then I, I drew from various books on heraldry that I found, you know, the filigree, the knight's helmet, the, the, the uh, unicorn, you know, and then basically put barons across the bottom where a family name would be. And basically that's how that design evolved. So how did you get to the point that you began putting wire on the masks? Because this was the biggest step, really going into well, the modern era of the true went, combination fiberglass shell with the cage. There's a there's a time period in between this, like Gretons was was early. Um, I'm just going to give you a bit of history as to how it ended up going to that. Um, Wayne Thomas was the first to wear my angular mask uh, with the rounded edge triangles. Malash, Gary Simmons, Billy Smith, Gretan, Liute, um, all wore that style. And then for guys that were used to wearing a Higgins mask, then I did the Malash, Minnesota style, Bannerman style, Bromley, uh, where it was an angular mask, but then I, I chopped it off and created a sort of a triangular design that went under the chin. So kind of like what after, Fier, was that what Fears early one Fears, was? Fears is the same. Like his he still map. says that's his favorite of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah, he liked that mask, and uh, uh, he wore it. He he was one that wore things right away. He never he never broke in anything. I watched him have a pair of pads delivered, you know, at warm up, and he wore them in the game. When I did the first cage combination for him, I arrived after the warm-up, and he wore it in the in the wow. game. Wow! But the the original cage combination was as a result of um, me working at Cooper, and um, Dave Dryden. I don't know if you've ever talked to him. Have you ever talked to Dave? Neither of the Dryden brothers have not. There's there's. Dave is the one you should talk to. But Dave like was a tinkerer, kennel. right? From what What's all that? I've learned, all I've learned, Dave was really a tinkerer with his equipment. Oh, he'd he'd take and modify things, and he'd he'd come to Cooper when I was working there, and he'd say, "What do we need all this leather on the back of the catching glove for, or the blocker? You know, you got the leather surface where you're going to get hit. We don't need all the leather on the cuff. We don't need it on the back." So they'd make them a glove like that. And the next thing you know, the following year, it's in the line as a new product, but it's as a result of his request. So he came in one day and he had the front half of an SK 600 helmet. He had a back piece from his own, one of his own masks, which he also made himself. 
and he had a, a cage that he had kind of cobbled together, which looked like an HM30. And he said, I want a mask that'll fit like a fiberglass mask, but give me the eye protection of a cage. He's saying this to the design department. And they said, well, um, we won't make that. It has to be a helmet. And I, I just happened to be there when this was going on. I you said, had Dave, bells I'll, going off in your head, didn't you? I said, I'll design that. And uh, I did. I had um, the company that made the cages for Cooper. They didn't make their own cages then. They still don't. Um, it was called Marshall Industries. And they made two, I designed how I wanted it to look based on, and I knew because you're cutting away the area of support, the front of your face, there had to be a network of foam that would support everything and uh, absorb the shock when you get hit. So I developed it that way, designed the cage to fit around that. And I made two cages. Um, and I made the mask. There was no, at the time, there was no chin piece in it. I made so it no sling, no chin cup. No, not initially. I had foam in there, like a big chunk of foam, because I hadn't quite figured out how to do it yet. And so uh, I made that. It had a throat protector originally, as did Ken's. If you'll see a picture of Ken wearing the one I did for him, it's got a dangler on the bottom that's a throat protector. Mm -hmm. Dave had one as well, but they both took them off. Um, they just found it to be a little too long, even though they moved. And then I made the one for Ken as well and uh, using the other cage. But then it was too expensive to get special cages made. And I didn't like the way the mask looked originally. I wanted to streamline it and make it look a little cooler. It probably didn't look purpose built either. When you're cobbling things together, it's it's not the same as when you make everything from scratch to look like it flows and it's streamlined and it really works, yeah. right? Well, one of the things I wanted, I, I didn't like the idea of no support on the bottom because once you cut out the front of the face, you're going to take a full impact in the chin if you get hit. Yeah, and you're bleeding. And yeah, well, yeah, or a broken jaw. Yeah. So what I did then is I went, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll buy some HM thirties and I'll cut them off, which is what I did initially because they weren't, they were made pretty well then they weren't stainless. They were just, um, mild steel, but they still were substantial later as time went on, they, they modified them. They put a thin center bar, a double, thin center bar and it was brutal it, it the pit the pitch was different the pitch of the cage like it stuck out more and then cut back in so it looked funny it didn't look proper but by that time I had developed the whole network of foam in it I built in a sweatband on velcro uh, I made sure that the foam then on the sides um, met the sweatband so that there was no sweat getting down into your eyes, even from the corners. And then initially I used uh, leather 
football chin pieces. You know, they use mm-hmm. what they use for football helmets. Yep. And then once I couldn't get any more leather ones, I that was the suspension. And it still wasn't ideal. Uh, but then I couldn't get any more leather ones. So I got this plastic. They were like a fibrous material. But the problem was there wasn't any give to them. And the pitch was wrong because I basically attached it from where the, the strap location was. And um, so then I go, well, maybe I could get some kind of foam chin piece, which uh, through all this time, the, the helmets or the masks are going back further and further to cover the whole head. Right, to get the further piece. past the ears. I mean, for a long time, yeah. it was really just the front of your face that was protected. Yeah. Well, even, even the gauge combination was, was you know, uh, just barely covering the ears initially right. when I did it. And that's why I like I my mask to be long. I like to have everything covered completely packed. Well, yeah, you know, my ears. That's basically like in order for them to even consider passing it, which they, they wouldn't at CSA, they said it's got to be a helmet. They wouldn't pass it when I tried to get it passed originally. Uh, they wouldn't pass it. They said, it's, it can't be two pieces. I said, I'm not making it in one piece. I said, a goalie does not look straight ahead. He does not look straight down at the ice. It's a combination of both. You need something that'll flex in the back of your head. Right. You know, and so I, I adapted a, a foam chin piece, which then did two things. It acted as a cushion and a suspension. And that's what made it as safe as it, as it was. And then once it covered the whole head, there was no complaint. Uh, and I never had anybody hurt wearing my cage combination that was custom made. Like there's guys now with what they're wearing now, both CCM and Bauer, guys are getting concussions, cut, you know, losing teeth because they don't fit right. They're either too big or they're too small. And you get a concussion as a result of, of that. Fit is the absolute most important thing. It's not even, yeah. what they're, it's, I mean, all, a lot of it goes into it. Weight matters, construction, but it, to me, if it doesn't fit you properly, you're not protected. Your eyes need to be right behind the two holes in the cage. Your equipment has to work for you. And, yeah. and I, it kind of leads me to my next question is you were playing around with the HM30 cage. You started to make what we traditionally know as today's mask, but you had some outliers to it. Don Beaupre had a very different mask design for his yeah. in terms of the cage well, what, itself. Rick Wamsley used it as well. Where did that idea Hanlon, come from? Was it, was it from them bringing it to Hanlon, you? Hanlon had one too, Glenn Hanlon. Yep. Um, what it was, again, I would consider what guys were used to uh, when I was doing something for them. You know, if they're used to the HM30, the cat's eye, which everyone calls it, that's what they got on their mask. And I, and I made two links. I made short cage and I made a long cage, depending on the guy's face. Uh, like Balfour's is a long cage. Felix's is a long cage. And uh, like uh, Fears and Billington's and I, I'm having a brain cramp right now. I can't think of anybody else. But they had the short cage. Um, and oh, and Bester. Yeah. Bester actually was, this is where it comes to me starting to make my own cages. 
when I did Al's mask first in Toronto, I had, I was still using the cutoff HM30. So his first mask had the cutoff HM30. One day he said to me, he says, is there any way I can get the cage closer? Which I wanted to too, but I had no idea what I was doing as far as making my own masks, my own wire. So I went to a place called Superior Wire, talked to them, but I wanted to control it. So I, I mocked up what I wanted in both long and short, and I made then a stainless steel cage that fit closer. So when you have it on your face, it's about a half an inch from the tip of your nose, and that's the optimum way to, to have it. Um, it's not gonna buckle in there and made them out of stainless steel. And they were pretty strong, um, but it was Bester that I did it for first. And then I made my own, I made my own jig. And up until now, uh, I used to make them all myself, but I, I have uh, Otney, which is another company. Actually, Otney owns Sport Mask. They bought Sport Mask. And, uh, um, the father, he makes the cages now. So I'm just working on a new jig for, to make my long and short cages. Lots more coming up with Greg, but right now I want to talk to you about skin effects wraps designed and produced by Mark Magnanti based out of Rochester, New York, small company, American company, professional vinyl wrapping, specializing in goalie masks. If you want a quick, affordable way to make your mask look good, I cannot recommend Mark enough at Skin Effects Wraps. He did a fantastic job for me this year when I was in a bit of a pinch. I had an old mask that just didn't look good when I would occasionally be on the ice practicing with the Vegas Golden Knights. So Mark helped me out, made it look great. The turnaround time was outstanding. You wouldn't even hardly tell that it wasn't traditional paint. The wrap looks so good on the mask. So if you're looking for something, again, quick, affordable way to get your mask looking good, looking right for the team that you're on, hit up Skin Effects Wraps on Facebook, Instagram, or send Mark an email at skineffectswraps at gmail.com. Thanks to them for helping me out, and thanks for supporting Six Degrees with Mike McKenna. So by the middle 80s, early 90s, what percentage of NHL goaltenders were you making masks for? I probably had about 80%. Michelle Lefebvre, you know, he, like Patrick Waz. And, he had Fisset and Waz. And if you're from Quebec, yeah. he probably had, you probably had, <laughs> had a, a Lefebvre. Yes. Other, other than, like, I did Cloutiers and I did pot, I did all of Pot Fans. From the time he wore a mask, I did all of Pot Fans. Let's talk about it. Felix Potvin's mask is the greatest of all time. I'm saying that right now. I think I'm backed up by a lot of people with it. I don't think anything touches it. The, the shape of it, the cat's eye cage, the paint job, the way that he carried it with him throughout his career, but those original ones in Toronto, what were the inspiration for it? And then when you finished it and looked at it, did you know that you had something special? Uh, you're always your own worst critic. And I, you know, there's been a few masks that have gone out as a result of, of um, timing where I had no choice but to let it go when I wasn't satisfied with it. Um, I'll just give you a little aside here. When Wayne Thomas played in Toronto, I did that first X design, which was basically like, like the rebel flag I had done for Dunk Wilson. 
um, but it was the Maple Leaf X with the Maple Leafs in it, the, the actual silhouettes of the, the Maple Leaf. When he went to New York, uh, I put the Rangers crests in the same position. And then he decided he wanted something different. So I, I said, well, why don't we do something with the big, big apple? I got the mask from him on a Friday. I, uh, I started to do the design and I had already eliminated the previous design on it. I'd sanded it off and I started this apple mask and it wasn't working. To me, it wasn't working. If you've ever seen it, it's to me, it's horrendous, <laughs> but I had no choice. It had to get back to him the next morning. I had got too deep into this design and I, and I couldn't get out of it then. So I had to deliver it the next day and I was never happy with it. And that's what was, he ended it. Was he happy with it himself? He said, yeah, he liked it. I don't know how happy he really was. I don't know. But it's, it's one I absolutely hate. If I could take and bury it somewhere, I would. <laughs> but anyways. So you didn't but, feel that way about the Podvin mask, I'm guessing. No, no. Uh, Podvin's mask, originally, originally I did kind of a whiskered design because he had the nickname, the cat. If you've seen a mask that's a lot of white with whiskers on the side and the maple leaf going into whiskers on the side, uh, and kind of a, a bit of a, a cat-like feature on the top. It's the only way I can describe it. And that had a blue cage. He wore it briefly like that. And then I made him another mask. And it started with, the, with whiskers being done a different way. And, and the original design like that is based on one of the characters from Cats, the show Cats. Um, it was a makeup that one of the characters had and I adapted it and changed it. And I actually made a mask for my oldest daughter. Uh, again, there's a post that contains that on my Instagram uh, and it shows where, in fact, somebody, the, the mask I did for my daughter was kind of uh, black with white and kind of a rust color design which was similar to the character from cats and when i posted it somebody photoshopped it and made the the bronze or or sort of rust color blue and put it on felix's head in a, in a photograph <laughs> people so, are creative yeah so uh i did that and there was a couple of versions of it initially based on my daughter's mask and then then I wanted to clean up the design. I had, you know, the sort of teeth design, but not really teeth. They were black on the bottom and they had blood dripping off a couple of the fangs type of thing. But it still wasn't what I wanted. Like, like I airbrushed around the whiskers, but it, it was okay, but I, need, I wanted something different. So I started to streamline everything make it stand out even more with a white border then i added the teeth below the the cage and then the um 
the eye area of the, the uh, cat's makeup is what's over top of the cage. So those are eyes up above. And then I accentuated it with a, a, a kind of a double fork triangle is the only way I can describe it over yeah. the top of the cage. But then the sides had the whiskers and they stood out. And the blue I used was a really rich blue then in Toronto, almost. It was a, a sort of a metallic blue, but it was right. a vibrant color. It was and just so iconic. So now, iconic. You know, that two-dimensional design that you could tell from the stands, who was in that. Well, that, just, I mean, that, it was aggressive. It fit his name. It fit his equipment. It was designed oh, after his, that mask, you know? It, yeah, it just his, hit gear, every note. his gear was amazing, you know? Um, I had my I had three masks when I was with the Florida Panthers and they all had teeth on the chin going yeah. downward and it was a direct tribute to the Felix Potvin mask. It was the one time in my career that I could do that. Cool. Very cool. When he like I, I tried it's funny you mentioned that you could see it from the stands. That's exactly what I tried to do in any mask that I made was first of all to give the the goalie an identity that he would keep throughout his career somehow, yes. whether there be variants of it, fine. But these guys nowadays, like, first of all, there's, there's some very talented airbrush artists around, but there's too much on the masks. Yeah. There's no totally definition. You. you can't see it. I've been watching it on TV and they zoom in and I go, what the F is that? <laughs> you know, you can't even tell what it is, but you know, it up close, it's an amazing piece of art, but you can't see what it is. The goalies don't keep a theme. They got to, for every event, they got a mask every six weeks, you know, that's done. That's, that's an exaggeration, but sure. You know, they don't, they don't see it that way. They just, and I don't know if it's driven by the artists or driven. I think it's driven a lot of times by the goalies because you can tell what's on it is their interests. But, you know, when you've got things that have absolutely nothing and nothing tastefully to do with hockey, that was the other thing that I always tried to do. Do it tasteful. You know, I had a guy call me one day, not a pro. I had a guy call me and he goes, I want a picture of my girlfriend holding her breasts up on the side of the map. <laughs> Was his Will name John Graham? <laughs> you know, John no. Graham had a mask rejected because he had basically that when he was with Carolina. <laughs> oh, no, I, it wasn't him. No, it was somebody else. I said, no, I said, get somebody that'll do the side of the van paint job to do that. I said, that's, that's not me. Well, think um, about like the Brian Hayward shark mask. I mean, yeah. your John Casey masks, the Beaupre, go on down the list. Well, you These mentioned were... Beaupre and we never, we never got through to the, I was too busy yapping. Right, the cage. Um, the cage. You see, uh, Hanlon, Beaupre, Wamsley had all worn Jaffa cages prior to that. And so I wanted to develop a cage that they could be used to. People now call it the cheater. Well, it's not a cheater because people have copied it like everything else I've done. Yeah. And they're actually um, just calling it the Beaupre cage. That's it's become known by his name for some people. Oh, well, I've heard it more as the cheater, the cheater, because it's because it's not it's not CSA or heck approved. 
Right, but it's correct. vertical and horizontal bars. But that's what it was designed because they had worn the Jaffa cage. And like Beaupre's, um, initially I did sort of stars and, and arrows on the mask in Minnesota. And he had that in the Washington colors once, once he went there. And then I decided, I got the idea to put the Capitol building on the forehead. So then when he went to Ottawa, I had the House of Commons on there. It and then perfect. when he went to Toronto, I put the gardens yeah. on the floor. And, <laughs> some of you your know. best work happened to be Canadian cities. You did some beautiful yeah. Ottawa masks, Toronto masks, well, I, Vancouver. Well, did you take a little extra pride in doing those? Uh, I just think they lent themselves, not necessarily Canadian pride. They just kind of lent themselves. Like Ottawa, that, that red, black, and gold combination just screams creativity for me like and one thankfully of my it's favorites. coming back they're, they're finally ditching the those practice jerseys they've worn for a decade and they're going back to the retro style that you could have fun with again yeah like i did billingtons and i did sudorkowitz and they were similar in that they were the the roman gladiator helmet and that was i wanted the helmet to look like that with the visor up above i did them a different way but people think that they're almost the same mask. And then one of my favorites in Ottawa was um, um, Damien Rhodes mm -hmm. with the big red maple leaves on the side and the, and the, the clock tower on the, on the top. I was going to mention his Toronto mask is one of your best. I thought as well. Oh, the big maple leaves. Yeah. Yes. And then I added, I added, uh, the BR to the mask. That was his dad. When his dad passed away, you'll notice the BR is on, on his masks. That's that was amazing. Yeah. What are um, some of your favorite masks that you did over the years? Well, I, I, I love Belfour's. Um, Eddie initially wanted a, a hawk. He said, I want a hawk on the mask. And I said, Ed, I said, a hawk is a mottled feathered bird. It's not, it's not going to stand out. It doesn't look very good. Like you how won't did he see. How did he respond to you when you said mottled? Did it fly over I, his head? Or? I don't remember. I just kept talking. <laughs> okay. I just was trying to convince him to, to not go with that. So I said, what would really look cool, I said, is, a, is an eagle against a red and black background. And of course, I didn't say it, but it was on everybody's lips. Then Eddie the Eagle, the unsuccessful, or the, the English ski jumper. And I'm told after the fact, after I did the mask, like he became Eddie the Eagle after I oh, did yeah. the mask. He, He's he wasn't the Eddie Eagle. the Eagle before that. And he, he um, I did the first two designs, the, the one that everyone knows with the feathering on the bottom. And then I did the one with the claw, which I, Again, there's another one where I wished I had changed something a little bit. I, the feathering I didn't like on the bird, but it still looked all right. Um, I liked Eddie's. I liked Pot Fans, and, and I had fun. Like I did, I wanted to make sure he would keep the same design. Like what I did when he went to the island is the side, the whiskers became a beam of a lighthouse. When he went to Vancouver, it was a fishtail in the West Coast Indian art. 
when he went to LA, it was the crown. When he went to Boston, it was the claw. The LA again, one was really good. They all subtle, the Boston one. I loved the gold that I, that I used on that. It was a, a house of colors. Uh, it, I, I always remember the color sunset pearl metallic. And it was, it just jumped right off the mask. And, um, um, it like, I make subtle changes too. most people wouldn't recognize them, but like in LA, the, the parts of the eye, I made that instead of the shape that I had previous, they became diamonds, the top part, uh, right above varied in, in, um, each mask. And then the other thing I did that was different from any other mask on the back, I had the word, the cat at the bottom, but then on my back pieces, there's a, there's on either side of the strap, there's uh, rounded edge triangles between each of the straps on the top. Well, on Felix's, I close in the one, I don't cut out the one and the little Felix, Felix winking is the cat there. And I, I did a details. Again, there's a post that I did. I have a number of photos that I've taken. Um, I sort of had a plan to do um, my book and also a calendar. Um, and I set up a bunch of pictures. And if you go to my Instagram, you'll see various pictures that'll lead into posts and um, with Felix's, most people, this is, nobody really cares, but it, me, it's me sort of doing my own thing. Um, are you aware of what the first image ever projected over a television signal was? No, I, I am not aware of that, Greg. Fill us in. It was a paper mache toy Felix the cat in 19... Uh, 29 RCA did it um, so I have a, a collection of or I had a lot more before my theft but I still have a few old vintage televisions and I have a 1948 Zenith TV with a round tube and what I did is I took the tube out of it and put Felix's mask inside the television and then I had a little table and I borrowed one of those real Felix the Cat toys that a friend of mine had. And I propped it up, propped the arm up with a little bit of dum-dum pointing to the TV as if that Felix presenting the new Felix, you know, on television That's kind cool. of thing. So I, you know, I do things like that. And I'll, like on my Kirk McLean's, I shot the one mask I did for him with uh, bagpipes and tartan and a sporn and so on. And like uh, Billington's, I did it like a Roman gladiator and a column and this brocade material and a sword and a shield as part of the, but whatever the idea behind the, the mask makes up the background of the picture. Was it cool to get to know the inside uh, story on a lot of these goaltenders, their personality and, you know, it's, it's obviously a, a unique relationship to be an artist to try to bring forward their personality. It must have been fun to explore that. Um, I got to know a lot of them that way. Um, 
they, some guys were easier to, to get along with other guys. I just sort of went and flew with something like I did, for instance, Hanlon's. I've told this story many times. Glenn wanted a mask. He'd been wearing a Jaffa Cajun helmet. And um, when he came to Detroit, I did his mold and I made him. I said, so um, as far as painting anything on it, I said, if you got, I sort of asked them to get a feel, but I'd never let them say, this is what I definitely want on it. Cause, or I never did sketches either because I found, I got something in my head. It might not necessarily work when I go to apply it to the mask or partway through the design, I realized that certain things aren't working either because of the shape or holes interfering with the design and I got to change it. So if I'm committed to a sketch or a drawing, I'm, I'm dead in the water. I can't do anything. So I never, I never would do sketches. I always play with it myself. And uh, with Hanlon, I said, uh, would you like anything on the mask? That's why I asked him. He said, yeah, I want an all white mask with a trout fly on the chin. And he was serious, right? Oh yeah. So I, I said, okay. And then I, I, I'm saying to myself, there is no damn way I'm doing something that boring. So what I did, I took, uh, reversed the Rutherford wings over the cage. So I, I did white wings against the red background. And then on the side of the mask, um, down the side of the cage, I had the windings of a trout fly. Now, they're about three quarters of an inch, the windings, you know, parallel to the cage. The hooks I brought down into the chin area. So you got the hook and then you got the curved part of the barb. And then the feathering and the, the end of the windings I put up above on the side of the cage and up into the into the side of the mask red and white it looked amazing and i sent it to him and mark brennan was the trainer of detroit then and he goes he absolutely effing hates it <laughs> and i go he said that's not what he asked for i said yeah i know but i said i just felt that this would look okay so he says he wants it changed. I said, fine, I'll change it. So I had method to my madness. I said, uh, you're in Buffalo on Saturday. I said, I'll, I'll come and pick the mask up and I'll repaint it and do what he wants. But I said, in the meantime, I said, I want you to do me a favor. I said, I want him to wear it all this week so that if there's anything physical that I got to change too, whether the foam or whatever, then I'll know I can do that at the same time. That isn't what I wanted at all. I just wanted them to wear it so that right. he'd get used to it. And, um, you know, everyone started saying how they liked it and it looks really cool and da 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 da. So on the you Friday, were trying to guilt him into wearing it. Yeah. You were going so for it. I, on the Friday, I get a call from Mark. He goes, don't bother coming down. He's decided he likes it and he's going to keep it. I said, okay, good. You won. That's exactly what I wanted to do. <laughs> you succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, how, how long does it take to go start to finish on a mask? How many hours do you have invested in each one before they go out the door? Well, it's 
it's reduced a little bit. It used to take me for the physical mask from the time I did the mold to a finished shell ready to assemble, no paint. It would take me about 45 to 50 hours working time to make one. And then the paint job could take the same amount, if not longer sometimes. Now, I jokingly say to the guys here at Sportmask, I said, if I had had this little tool that you got, uh, I said, I would have cut off about 10 hours working time on each mask. They, they have this little disc, it's like a disc sander. That's mm -hmm. only, it's maybe two and a half inches round. And I can get in the inside of the mask with the exception of just the chin. I can get in and sand that, sand the whole mask. And what normally would take me about four to five hours of that part of the sanding takes me like 35 minutes, 40 minutes. Way more efficient, wow. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's hand, eliminating hand, like I, my elbow and my shoulder, are, excuse the expression, you know, what? effed up yeah because say of, that <laughs> because of because of all the heavy sanding and grinding and twisting not to mention my fingers i used to have to tape my fingers you know dedication I, I put, to the craft man tennis elbow messed up fingers oh, carpal tunnel you name it i had it all and um but i mean i i enjoyed the creative i enjoyed the when i got to the stage where i could start the creative part of it and, you know, initially, from the time I was a young kid, I, I wished I had, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I hoped I had the chance to have one used in the NHL. And then everything kind of blossomed once, once I got into using a few. And it was always pretty well word of mouth and connections that I made and, um, goalies telling other goalies and um, it was a it was a fun ride it got to be towards the end it was getting a little difficult because the uh, the NHL were trying to control things then and uh, I wouldn't let them but I did I did things uh, t-shirts and hats and jerseys and stuff like that which they once they found out where they were sold they sent in a few people and suggested that they not support that anymore. You're a rebel. And, uh, you always have yeah. been. Well, if somebody today, I know it's turned into a hobby again, somewhat for you, but if somebody wants a custom made mask by Greg Harrison, what's the process? How do they get in touch with you? Well, they can get in touch with me through, through Instagram. It's really the, like, I, I did register on Facebook, but I don't go on it at all. It was trying to find something at one point and I had to register on Facebook to try and get it. And that's the only reason I even ended up on there. So Instagram is, is, uh, that way, or they can get a hold of, uh, they can get a hold of me directly or they can get a hold of sport mask. Uh, and they can, uh, uh, they can reach me that way too. So either way, I either make them, by myself or I make them through sport mask either way. Greg, it's been amazing talking to you and I feel like we just touched the surface. 
Like we could probably go for another three hours. We didn't talk about racing. We didn't talk about those helmets. <laughs> no, We're going to have to well, do a round two for this if you're up for it. They're all interests that, that sort of contribute to uh, what I've done. I enjoyed the, the short time that I did racing helmets and I got a chance to meet some pretty cool people in, in racing and, and add my own little flair to the, to the racing helmets for a while. Know. It's very cool. But it's it's a different ball game there too. Sure. Well, Greg, thank you so much for taking some time out talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Six Degrees with Mike McKenna. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to all your podcasts. If you're interested in advertising on Six Degrees, please contact Believe at b l e a v dot com. As always, you can find me at Mike McKenna 56 on all the socials. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.